Hello and welcome back. It is mile 12 of the Seconds Flat Running podcast presented by Run In. And we are continuing with our marathon and half marathon training series. This episode is about the long run. And we had a visitor stop by to ask some questions. Our guy Matt phrased this beautifully. What is the purpose of my long run? And that's what we want to address for you in this episode by breaking that down into some sub-questions of how far is the long run, what pace do I run at, and how often do I use the long run. So we'll try to get into that more here a little later in the show. But first, let's take a look at what happened over the weekend in road racing. It was the New York City 5th Avenue Mile this weekend on a cool and damp day in Manhattan. And in the women's race, Jenny Simpson wins her 6th straight 5th Avenue Mile in a time of 4 minutes and 18 seconds. Capping a great season started out really hot for Jenny with an American record. Close behind her, Colleen Quigley in 2nd place, who was right there for the kick. Emma Coburn, not far behind as well, in fourth, two great American steeplers. Uh, no Shelby Houlihan, though, for the Fifth Avenue Mile, which was maybe the one key missing ingredient. I'm going to bring in my guy Benji right now. Benjamin, how you doing? I am rejuvenated after a weekend of camping and fun with the college team I help out with. Wonderful. Where were you guys? Uh, we were in Greenville, Tennessee. Oh, Beautiful. Yes, the Rolling Green Hills. Fantastic. So you had your kickoff first meet and then went on a team camping trip and uh, had a good weekend. It was a blast. Welcome back to the show. I bring you in at this point because no Shelby Houlihan at the Fifth Avenue Mile. No, she was at the Continental Games. Yes, and what was she doing there? She was getting second place in the Women's 15 in a crazy tactical race. Yep. Uh, she closed in 56 for her last 400, which is just nuts. Mm-hmm. Just some kind of poor positioning made her end up with a silver medal. Yep, kept her away from the win. She was the biggest American star absent from the historic Fifth Avenue mile. But I'd like to twist it a little bit here and look through the perspective of what this says about our American women's steeplers. We deep. We are very deep here. Colleen Quigley... Emma Coburn, we're missing another piece here. Courtney Frerichs. Right, American record holder. Great sign for just how good we could be in upcoming international competitions, right? For our world championship year coming up, we know we had a world champion in Emma Coburn last year, and we might have even more depth than ever in this event, which on the men's side is so heavily dominated by East Africans, Plus one American, an Evan Jager. But and a Moroccan. And a Moroccan, yes, that's true. A North African there. But the American women may be the most dominant in the steeplechase. Despite not holding the world record, we have a new world record holder recently, Beatrice Kipkowicz. And Emma Coburn came out recently and questioned the validity of that world record, stating that she thinks it might not be clean. Well, it was just... Such an absurd time jump. Yes, the jump, just how fast she ran one, but the amazing jump she made by shaving something like 15 seconds off her time, right? I hope it's not true, but if it is, I hope she's exposed. I would agree with that. For the sake of competition, we'd love to see 
better, faster records, and it was an amazing performance, and she was very under control when she did it. But uh, Emma Coburn seems to think, eh, not so fast on that world record. It'll be interesting to see when our uh, three American ladies get to stack up against that international field again next year. On the men's side in the Fifth Avenue Mile, it was Jake Whiteman with the win in 353.5. He outkicked four-time champion Nick Willis. Show favorite Eric Avila had a nice showing. Fourth place and a new personal best of 355.5. While debuting the seconds flat singlet. There is some discussion, perhaps on the internet or maybe just here locally, that if you zoom in real tight in recorded footage from the Fifth Avenue Mile, it looks like Eric might have some sort of seconds flat emblem on his kit. No promises. Well said. (laughs) In other action, half marathoning in England, the Great North Run. It was Mo Farah. Sir Mo. Fifth straight win there in a blistering time of 59 minutes and 26 seconds. Also breaking 60 was the Kiwi, Jake Robertson. The twin. For second place, uh, this performance suggests that Mo is right on track for Chicago in a few weeks. We are under four weeks out from Chicago when Mo will face a very tough field that we talked about last week, and we will also give a Chicago preview when it gets close to time. Before we get to Chicago, though, we have the Berlin Marathon this Sunday, September 16th. Set your alarm clocks early, 3 a.m. Eastern, midnight Pacific. The coverage begins on NBC Sports Network. Or stay up late. That's true. That might be a better option. Yeah. Grab some Sully Steamers downtown, 2 a.m., have a nice little warm snack. I don't think I can stay up that late. I'm going to set the alarm. All right. We went through the field last week. Let's make some picks. Benjamin. Yes. Who you got? The GOAT. Eloid Kipchoge. Book it? Book it. World record. World record. I want a specific number from you. 202.36. That's specific. That is a 21-second world record. And oh, gosh, that's a lot. That is going to be achieved because of his smile, if nothing else. He's a fast man with a beautiful smile, yes. unquestionably. We haven't heard a lot from his camp. That's normally a good sign. I think he's fit. I think he'll let the race do the talking. I think he is once again in world record shape. He probably has been numerous times in recent years. Yes. This is the course to do it. Right? Most of our recent world records were set there. The question is the weather and the field. He's got pacers set out somewhere in the low 61-minute range through half, so he's certainly going to get out on world record pace. Hopefully not like, or excuse me, hopefully not like London when they got out too fast. It looks like it could be a bit warm. We'll see. I did some Berlin weather Googling today. Well, we saw how he handled warm London. He Oh, he handled it well. He, he crushed the race. London. But does that limit his ability? Remember, at Monza, when he ran just over two hours, you had low 50s, almost no wind, 
this controlled environment that was perfect for racing. It's probably going to be a little warmer than that. I do think it's better conditions than last year in the rain. Yes, <laughs> but is it a minute faster? I don't think so. I had my good weather prediction at 202.50. Oh, sneaking under. Just, just squirming right in there underneath. I'm going to go 203. No. Yeah, that close. 203.18. Really close. We got a spread between us. We do indeed. So you're on record at 202.36. Yes. I am on record at 203.18. Book it. Hedge my bets, 202.50 if the weather is better. If the weather was better. (laughs) (laughs) I would say we also got to see what the field does, right? Who's going to push him? Who's going to be there at the end? I think he is the closest thing to a lock to win that you can get in the marathon world. But it will be interesting to see if he pushes that world record. I also think we're in agreement on the women's race as well. Tiranish Dababa is our pick. Even 100%. though Gladys Torono is a two-time champion, Dababa is one of the fastest marathoners of all time. I am going to say she is somewhere in the range of top five fastest marathons ever for a woman wow. that we see this weekend. Yeah, I, that's completely reasonable if you had to put a time on it. Oh, I have a number. Okay, hit me. I'm going 218.02. Wow, that is so close to what I was going to say. Really? Yes. Please say you're going to say 218.03. I was going to say 04. What? Yeah. Now, I would say you've been reading my show notes, but I didn't write this down anywhere. And I don't know how to read. Yeah, so that combination makes that completely improbable. 218 low, maybe 217 high. We'll see. I think she's ready to run really, really well. So in our next episode, we'll give you a wrap-up on what happens at Berlin and see how accurate our predictions were. Let's go ahead and move on now to the meat of this episode. How far? How fast? How often? What does the long run look like in your training for a half marathon or a marathon? And I think the first thing to start with for how far is another question. And that is, are you attempting to finish or to master the marathon. Knowing your goal going in is important in dictating the distances you are running for your training. So if you're running a half marathon and you're simply looking to finish, 10 to 12 miles as a long run distance in training is probably gonna be enough that you'll feel comfortable on race day to get through the race but something more like 14, 16, 18 miles is more appropriate if you want to master the race and not just finish, but run your fastest half marathon. And if you're a serious runner, those are probably near distances that you should be considering as part of your long run throughout your training cycle, not just for a half marathon. So Let's start there, Ben. If if you want to run well at a 5K, 10K distance, you know, you can just go back to your recent college experience. What did the long run distance look like? Yeah, it regularly looked like a 15 or 16 mile run. Um, Depending on the time of year, it could look as low as 12, but it typically was around 15 to 16 miles. Yeah, so you're going to have variation there, but having something consistently in there at that distance is very typical for someone training at a high level to run well in the 5K and the 10K. 
we could use a very simple rule in 5K and 10K training that you and I have talked about before that a long run at three times the race distance is very common even for a developing athlete in, in a 5K than to run 15K as a long run or 9.3 miles. But it's very common in the collegiate system when you're training for a 10K to run up to 18 miles or three times the race distance for your long run. Now, if you're in the full marathon training mode, it might be somewhere in an 18 to 22 mile range is a pretty common block that that people will use for their longest run. You'll see more Europeans use a 30K number for their long run, which is 18.6 miles. 20 miles is so nice and round, a lot of Americans will use it. I don't necessarily know that it's a magical number. Well, to quote Don Cardong, 88 is a rounder number. Yeah, to, to his comparison on why some guys run 100, but he chooses, uh, as in miles per week, but he chooses to run 88. Yeah, people pick numbers because they're round. There's, there's some sort of breaking point, like there's some magical stepping stone. 20 miles may not be inherently any different for you than 19.5 or 20.5. I will sometimes use time here to consider as well. And for, for a decently trained, faster athlete, something up to two and a half hours, that's a number I'll often use as a breaking point for me where I see the quality of the long run start to fade a little bit after that. So why continue to just slog through something if you're not really getting much out of it? Now, if you're newer and this is your first marathon experience and you're just trying to finish the race, and your goal is a much higher time, like five hours, for example, you might need over two and a half hours, but two and a half hours does kind of feel like a breaking point just as far as aerobic benefits go. Some people might go over that two and a half hour mark or over that 22 mile mark, and I think the key to that is just to do it with a purpose and maybe to do it infrequently not to drive yourself into the ground. But the real issue with long runs is not really how far. It's more so about how fast. It's about the quality within the run. And I know that you have a very strong opinion on this. The yes. time on the legs, easy long run, right? I think it has benefit for the person who is going out and hasn't achieved that distance before. They're pushing themselves to a new marker. Hypothetically, 15 miles is the farthest they've ever run before. And they're training for a marathon and they wanna to get to 18. And so the first time they do that, it might just be about making sure I can get to that distance, get the time on my legs. But what are your thoughts on the time on legs long run and just kind of long run philosophy in general? It's definitely case to case and depends on where you are in your training but personally for someone who's been training at a decent level for a while i think by doing just the easy aerobic running they're missing a piece they could have in their training even for me in college i think the long run was the most important workout i did um, we would usually include some sort of tempo or fart lick in the middle of it um, it switched things up hit some different systems all while getting this mileage in and getting that aerobic benefit. 
Um, there's a lot of different ways to get stronger in the long run than just running. Yeah, so to Matt's question of what is the purpose, the purpose is not necessarily just to be able to complete the distance if your goal is to try to run your half marathon or marathon faster. As Coach Canova would note, if your goal is to run long and fast, then how do you get there solely by running long and slow plus short, fast intervals? At some point, you have to put some quality into the long run if you want to master the marathon or the half marathon. Prepare your body to run its best possible race over 13.1 or 26.2 miles. So instead of the just easy run approach, some other tools you could use, you talked about tempo work within the long run. So to build on what we did last week, various tempo types of paces that you could put into your long run. The most common we see for people training for a marathon is marathon pace training within their long run. And there's value there. I am of the opinion it's a bit overstated and a bit overused. I think there are very clear psychological benefits to being able to run at an extended period of time at your marathon pace. I think there's the obvious efficiency value in training at that pace and your body getting used to it. But I think there is more bang for your buck at some other paces. Before we move on to those and talk about what you could use, some things that you could incorporate with marathon pace work, again, to to build on last week. You may use this or see people using this in a half marathon, using a half marathon race as a time to practice your marathon pace because just going out on a Saturday morning and putting in 13 miles at marathon pace in the middle of your training block may be very difficult to you, both physically and mentally. But if you can get that race day set up when you have the crowd with you, you have people running around your pace, you have the aid stations, that might be really helpful. Another approach is the progression finish. So using the progression run, uh, what some coaches will call a fast finish or a close, and maybe the last X number of miles or X number of minutes you move down to marathon pace. So we take the hypothetical of 16 mile run. We build into it, slow warm up, normal run throughout most of the run. Maybe the 12 mile mark becomes a breaking point where we start to dial down and we move toward marathon pace. We're cutting down by maybe 10 seconds per mile or 10 seconds every X number of minutes. You run for five minutes at that pace and then drop it down even more. Trying to close at marathon pace so you get that feeling of knowing what it's like to run a marathon pace on some tired legs. A really challenging one that some folks will use as an indicator that of a sign that they're ready to run their marathon uh, of several weeks out would be to go out on their 20 miler and put 10 miles in at their normal easy pace and then close with 10 miles at marathon pace. It's a really challenging run for a lot of people, but that could be a good indicator of your ability to run that pace on tired legs. So with that marathon pace work, do you think there's a point where you can be doing too much of it during a long run? Is there a number or a time that you've experienced or researched that like 
okay, you've approached this number. We don't need to surpass this amount of marathon pace. You will see elites do this for whether it's continuous or broken into to chunks for, for 30 kilometers uh, it, within their long run. For me, when I do the longer chunks of this, I like to break it into intervals. So one tempo run I will do that I have had success with is to break it into 5K repeats at marathon pace. And so I will do a warm-up and then a 4 by 5 k so 20K of marathon pace running, so over about 12 and a half miles. And I will use a 1K kind of float in between where I'm going to ease off of marathon pace, but I'm not going to go to just a jog. And so it's still some decent work and learning to recover while tired and then be ready to surge into marathon pace again. So that's one I've had some success with. I think it's about knowing your limits and where you are in your training and doing what's appropriate, slowly building there. We had a a question that came in to us from Carol in Greenville, and she asked, how do I build this intensity and and mileage up without getting hurt? And, And we've discussed a little bit about a balance in not trying to turn up the dial on both quantity and quality at the same time, but... This is a great opportunity here within your long runs to build the mileage for a couple weeks and then cut it back down. So maybe you get to the point where you're doing a 16 and then an 18, and then maybe you dial back and go to a 12, for example, before you step up to something longer. Moreover, knowing how much marathon pace you can handle. So, you know, maybe you did a 15 miler with like five miles at marathon pace. You might not be ready for the jump to 20 miles with the last 10 at marathon pace. Use it appropriately for you. It's a slow build, but also complement it with the other paces around it. And this is actually where I think there's even more value. All right, so moving both slower and faster than marathon pace within your long run. My favorite, mentioned this last week, is to run at about 90% of marathon pace. I will use this for up to, in my last training cycle, I had 18 miles at this pace plus a warm-up and a cool-down. I'm 12 weeks out now from a marathon. I used it this past weekend in an 18-mile run with 14 of it at about 90% of marathon pace. But then you can also dial it up to a faster tempo pace, all right? So what are some examples from your long run experience where you you said you used some tempo segments of stuff that was faster than marathon pace? Yeah, so one of our uh, go-to long run slash workouts, long run with stuff is what we called it. Absolutely. So one of our introductory long runs with stuff in it would be a 12-mile run in which we would incorporate some half-marathon pace stuff. Being a 5K and 10K runner, I think the half-marathon pace stuff is super beneficial. Um, You're running quick enough to get a heightened aerobic benefit. Um, You're just a little more efficient running at that pace. We would do two and a half miles at just an easy run pace and then go into a two-mile segment at about half-marathon effort or pace. And then we would have a half-mile float as you referenced before, just kind of a normal run pace. And then we'd go into another two-mile segment at exactly the same pace, followed by a half-mile float, then a third two-mile segment, 
and then we would go straight into a two and a half mile cool down. So you have six miles in their total at half marathon pace over the course of a 12 mile run. This could be a really great half marathon workout. Yeah. Uh, you could also probably stretch it out a little bit, um, whether that be just more warm up could be a mm-hmm. great place to do it to make it a good either half marathon or marathon workout if you took that and just added more mileage to the front just get the legs a little more tired that half marathon pace will feel that much more difficult later on definitely Uh, you could you could stretch this thing out and make it 18 miles right if you were training for a marathon and just put a huge chunk at the front and make it like an eight miles at, at the front and and i've done this before out where my parents live, a great rural loop that I do that's kind of a rolling eight miles through the fields, back to the track, and then I'll do two-mile repeats on the track, and I've done them at it's just slightly faster than marathon pace. And so it's a really similar workout. I've done that and then gone into eight-mile warm-up, like four by two miles, a little faster than marathon pace, and then some cool-down afterward. You did just say eight-mile warm-up. That is a long warm-up, but in that sense it is, but it's, it, it's, it's the slower movement before your harder repeats. But it is also just callousing you to moving faster on tired legs. Yes. And that is part of the challenge of both a half marathon and particularly a marathon. Are you ready to make a move later in these races when you feel a little more tired? And there is race strategy here that I think overlaps what we're talking about and how to perform your long run. Because in both the half marathon and the marathon, the cardinal sin tends to be moving too hard too early. Mm. I've had this conversation a couple times just today about the half marathon being a much more forgiving race. If you are under control early, there's plenty of time to make it up and to close hard. And in the marathon, I try to catch myself thinking, all right, I still feel good. Just stay here at this pace as long as possible. You know, we we want to start moving too soon when we're actually racing. We feel good, but you forget how long that race is. And so working on that within your long run, perhaps in a progression style finish or something with a huge warm up before you get into the hard work could be really valuable. I love what you just said, and it's kind of going back to Matt's question about the purpose of the long run. And we don't need to dwell here, but I think it's worth just pointing out, like, there is a huge mental benefit of doing these long runs. Mm -hmm. Um, That callousing of the mind, knowing what it's like to be out there for that two and a half hours. There is something to be said for being comfortable with being out there that long, or at least knowing what's about to come. That reiterates our point from earlier. You have the what it feels like to just to be out there that long, that easy miles time on the legs run that is new to you when you're building mileage and then you have the know what it feels like to run harder in a long run feel that replicates that faster marathon you're chasing one of my favorites to go off uh, to build from your tempo runs there within a long run to give you both marathon pace and something faster i love a run in which i will do an extended warm-up. I will then go into 30 minutes about at marathon pace. 
I'll then do four times five minutes at half marathon pace. And then I will do another 30 minutes at marathon pace and then cool down. Continuous tempo. I'm warming up for maybe two to three miles, 30 minutes at marathon pace, a couple minutes to regroup there, four by five minutes at my half marathon pace. And I'll put a brief jog in between that, probably about two minutes. And then after that set of four by five minutes of half marathon pace running is done, I'll probably put about three minutes in where I just float along. And then that 30 minutes at marathon pace after I've done some pretty hard work, right? Sure. I have used that in my last two cycles, liked it a lot. And honestly, it was to me in my last cycle, I put it at about the same spot. I did this about, I want to say three and a half weeks or so out from the marathon. I compared what I did there to the previous cycle. And when I looked at the times, I thought, wow, I have really improved my fitness because I was able to realize that my effort was very controlled. I didn't feel like I had to run harder to run faster paces. So I I was confident going into the race that I had improved. I'm going to use that to make a point that I will make again later on because it's so significant. Don't leave your best performance in practice. Amen. Don't run that workout I just ran if it sacrifices your race, the point is to race. It goes back to the Ben True statement about running a lot of B minus workouts to get to an A plus race. So you could do different variations of that. And maybe instead of a 30 minute block of marathon pace, it's 20, what, whatever you want it to be. But do what's appropriate for you to continue to build and to improve. But those are some options where you could use some different tempo paces within your long run. Another thing you might like to do within a long run is incorporate some hill work. That could just be a hilly course. Consider what kind of course you're getting ready to run your race on. Understand the grades and distances of hills that you're going to be on. If there's a lot of downhill, practice downhill. If there's a lot of uphill, practice uphill. So let's apply this to yeah. a like a local build up uh we have the sphinx marathon coming up the course is a little bit in tr we have the swamp rabbit involved if you were to prescribe some like a location for someone to train because you're familiar with the course Mm -hmm. somewhere similar to these grades yeah where where would you recommend sending somebody yeah for the people who are unfamiliar the sphinx run fest is coming up in greenville local marathon And there are a number of courses in this part of the country that have similar grades to them because we're in the foothills here. And you're going to get a significant amount of both uphill and downhill on a course like that, but not huge mountain climbs like you had up at Grandfather Mountain where you were really getting that steep grade, right? And And not like going up to, say, run the black mountain marathon right it's not like that that some of the courses in in north carolina have but i would consider you know if you're a local runner in in greenville or Asheville, there's some really great spots we talked about them in a previous episode as well but if you can get on that swamp rabbit trail you can get a nice smooth grade where it's just a gradual uphill downhill a circuit that 
I really like. We just had a, a guy we were just talking to right before we started the show. A friend Dwayne was in, and you could also use a circuit in if you're a Greenville runner from downtown and heading out North Main Street. And I do. I just go out and back on that thing, and there are various grades, and you get uphills and downhills that, for me, pushing hard last anywhere between 30 seconds and two minutes. Yeah. And you get them at different slopes, and and that's a fantastic workout. You could also, though, do repeats within it. So we've often talked about in in North Carolina up at uh, Lake Summit at Tuxedo, which is a great dirt course that you can get on. You have some different grades there where you can go out and, and work some repeats and then some flat in between. So I've got a run prescribed in my current cycle that I'm going to do where I have a warm-up that's like two and a half miles to a hill. I'm going to repeat that hill X number of times. I'm going to come back to where I started. I got a second hill, a little shorter that I'll use. Do some repeats there. My goal will probably be to go up those at like 10K pace. I will then go easy about four miles around the lake to another hill and repeat there and then bring it back four miles right to the start. So three sets of repeats where I got to work on hills at various segments in my long run. And depending on how I'm feeling after the last set, I may try to put in some marathon pace or half marathon pace to work on again, doing that while feeling the way I might feel in a marathon where I'm a little beat up from going up and down, but don't overdo it. You train to race. You don't train to train. So follow-up question with that, and I don't mean to linger on this no, first part let's for linger. so long. Like bad cheese. So we talk about running faster on tired legs. Mm-hmm. There's obviously the mental um, benefit from doing that. Is there a physiological benefit from, say, finishing your longer run quicker, and what sort of adaptation occurs? You're certainly getting a, a very serious aerobic benefit there. Increased red blood cell production increase capillaries there there are limits though right you don't want to drive yourself into the ground and you want to be able to recover and get to your next workout whenever that might be and depending on how hard your long run is you might have to put a lot of time before your next workout so there are physical benefits to go along with with the psychological there is also just the impact on joints that you got to get used to when you are out there for a longer time, the muscle impact, the tissue impacts, all that kind of stuff. This is why some people will even go to an over-distance training for the marathon where they're running farther than 26.2 in their training. Now, there's a cost-benefit that I think for most non-elites, that's asking a lot to go out and do that 28 or 30-mile run Now, you know what it's going to be like to be on your feet for that long. You have experienced something more difficult in distance than the marathon. But is that the best bet for improving you as a runner in preparation for your race is something really important for you to consider. Another way you could go at this is alternating pace run, whether that be just uh, alternating miles and you could work a lot of different paces within a long run. So you might see training logs from, from runners who go out easy and then they'll, they'll alternate miles where it's marathon pace, then it's easy. 
then it's half marathon pace, then it's easy. Then it's 10K pace, then it's easy. And, and go right back to marathon pace and then easy. And a lot of alternation of miles. So we're working at a lot of different pace systems and getting a feel where you're really pushing yourself. Uh, 10K pace within a long run is very difficult. It's everyone's hope that you close your marathon running as fast as possible, right? Yeah. And so training at some faster paces may be valuable to you. But again, that's going to take a lot of recovery after a workout like that for the average runner. Which I think brings us to the next question, which is just as important as how fast. That is how often. What is the traditional collegiate long run schedule? Oh, we all subscribe to the church of the Sunday long run. Yeah, it's it's the Sunday long run because a lot of times you're racing on Saturday, particularly in cross season. You know, you have a Friday or Saturday race. Yet Sunday works or Saturday works for so many people because you're off work. Yes. You have the time to do it. You don't have other responsibilities. And you have the time to relax and recover afterward if it takes a lot out of you. I think my most important point on long run training is it doesn't have to be every seven days. Yes. And it might be even better if it's not. For me, I like to use it every nine to 10 days. How that fits into your schedule is gonna be a huge determinant in if you are able to do a nine or 10 day cycle. But if you can work around it with, with your work and life schedule, perhaps something like a Sunday or a Saturday and then a week from Wednesday or Thursday and then back to a week from that on Saturday or Sunday might be the best way to go. You got plenty of time to bounce back in between and you have time to get quality workouts in between, right? So that's valuable too. Don't force yourself onto a seven-day long run schedule if it means you're unable to recover and do any quality work in between. So if your long runs are burning you up and you can't do any work at, say, half marathon pace in between workouts, that's a sign. Recovery is so significant, and really hard workouts can take a really long time to recover from. Sometimes it might be a full week to bounce back. So for a lot of you, you may be even best off, rather than a week, putting two weeks in between your long runs tinker with that and see what works for you. But don't be afraid to get away from long runs every week. So say because of my work schedule, I'm only really have time to get in one big session a week, whether that's a workout or a long run. Like yeah. I just have to choose. Is there one you put more emphasis on? Would you rather me be getting one session over the other? Or so I do think I alternate if, it? Yeah, that is exactly the answer to me. It's some sort of alternation. And I would do that even if you can get more sessions in. So for me, even if I can run a long run on my schedule every 10 days and have workouts in between, I am going to alternate what that long run includes. So my current approach is something like a 90%-ish of marathon pace run in my marathon training that I'm in now being every other long run for me. Or so I'm doing it every, you know, maybe three weeks approximately. And then on the other one, I'm using something like a progression or fast finish run or something with intervals quality within that run. 
But the other thing is, it might not really even be a long run at times, it's just a long workout that has a lot of mileage. We don't have to say, oh, the long run is necessarily the most important, or long run needs to be X percent of your weekly mileage, because that's a typical thing people will get into. It that's needs such to, a trap. Right. It needs to be 20% of my mileage, or 25% of my mileage, or 30% of my mileage. That's not necessarily true. It, there's plenty of elites who are running well over 100 miles in their weekly race preparation, well, they're not all running 40 milers every weekend, right? They're running longer workouts. They, they are incorporating a maybe a midweek medium long run as well. And by contrast, that 20% rule is limiting to the person who can't get out there but three days a week. That's exactly where I was going to go next because the 20% rule is silly for the person who is only able to put a 20-mile weekend you're telling that person you can only run four miles maximum on any one run. I think a bigger thing to think about is how much quality do you run within your weekly mileage. So if you're only able to run 20 miles in a week, you probably don't just want 20 really hard miles. You should have, even if you're using quality within your long run, you should have warm up and cool down and some float periods in there. And so the whole thing isn't necessarily at a really hard pace. Yeah, and you fall into this trap and people forget that there's a huge benefit to running slow at times. I mean, elasticity, muscle tension, all sorts of different benefits are achieved through that slower aerobic run. Yeah, again... For a lot of people, you can't run too slow at certain times when you need to recover. Listen to your body first and foremost. Don't get caught in the trap of making a schedule in which you have a long run every seven days and you have hard workouts on Tuesday and Thursday or whatever it might be, but your body just feels terrible and you're getting beaten down. Understand that as you train for a half marathon or marathon, whether it's your first or your fastest, you are going to reach a point where you are tired. You're going to reach a point where you feel like you've done a lot of hard work. Your body has to adapt. That's part of the process. We are making our body faster. We are making our bodies more efficient. And so those adaptations will affect your body but you don't want to feel constantly drained and stuck in a hole and tired. There are moments when getting extra sleep and running a little slower are more important than a workout. So if the long run has to get pushed back, the long run has to get pushed back. Do it when it has value to improve your training. And again, alternate the styles of long run that you do. I mentioned that 90% marathon run marathon pace run, but you may need to work up to that. You may need to work at it at shorter amounts of time. You may need to work at it at 80 or 85 or 88% before you feel comfortable maintaining that pace. You may need to work on a progression run at 10 or 12 miles and just a short chunk at the end that gets faster, and then you improve and extend it over time. Don't be afraid if you have to be on the seven-day schedule for your calendar to only have one other quality workout in the week. And if that's not possible, back to your question, 
try to get quality into that long run as much as you can when appropriate. Benji, any other thoughts to wrap up on long runs, volume, intensity, frequency, any of those factors? Yeah, I think people fall into a trap and kind of don't trust their training because there's this idea as you're getting stronger that things are instantly going to feel easier. And we sort of lie to ourselves and think if I run X number of miles per week, X pace for X distance is going to feel immensely easier. And it's not always the case. Sometimes you're able to sustain it for longer, but that could just be it's the same amount of discomfort for just a little bit longer. It doesn't feel easier. You're just able to sustain it. Yeah, because you might be in the midst of some really high volume and there's a cumulative fatigue factor going on. And there's another piece I'll add to what you just said. You mentioned an important phrase there about trusting your training. And that's something when you get to race day, you have to have faith in the training that you had because you can't change anything at that point. Trust that it's going to work. Trust the taper that you're going to have at the end to get fresh for the race and go into that race consistently telling yourself throughout the race, I'm prepared for this. I've done the work. I know I can accomplish this and allow all the work you're putting in tempo runs like we talked about last week, long runs and quality work over high mileage like we're talking about now over the course of runs of 10 15, 20 miles, trust those and know that your body is prepared if you allow it to just take off and run as fast as it can. I mean, to hijack an old coach's words, you hijack somebody else's words. (laughs) Whether you think your training was correct or not, you're right. You're right. It's what you believe in. It's absolutely right. All right. That is it for long runs. We are going to pick up next time with more in our half marathon and marathon series. I do want to say I was out on a long run recently, and I saw friend of the show, Phil Gregory, gave me a shout-out. I was in my seconds flat singlet, and he said he was loving the show and the singlet, so we appreciate that, Phil. Remember, you can contact us, secondsflatpodcast at gmail.com, with any questions any training advice you're looking for within this half marathon and marathon series. If you're interested in getting the shirts or the singlets that are in now, send us an email. Come in and talk to us. Come We've in got and talk a table to us. set up. That, that's exactly right. Come in to run in if you want to talk to us about it. Uh, we love having those conversations, and we just had a great one today. So we would love to see you as well. Travis loves conversation, and I love coffee. That so is let's make this happen. Very true. Yes. Uh, Please rate, subscribe, and review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, or whatever avenue you are using to access this podcast. We are so appreciative of you listening and all the feedback that we have received, and we want to answer questions and address topics that you are interested in for the future. And email us about your long run this week. If you send it in before the 18th of September, you will receive our secret special discount. Ooh. To be disclosed. Only via email. Only via email. Very nice. We hope we hear from you soon. We will be back to talk to you next time on the Second Splat Running Podcast. 
Everybody have a fantastic week.